here's a message from Ken Lavica. Boy, oh boy, there are a lot of things to eye roll about. Stone Labanowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. Turn it up! Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 1063. For the love of all that's holy, can we please get to the NFL regular season? Please. I don't care what higher power you pray to. Maybe you don't believe in a higher power. Maybe you're just, as they say, spiritual. By the way, if you say you're spiritual, if you know somebody who calls themselves spiritual, that means they're just too lazy to go to church. That's being spiritual. Sorry if I've just outed some of you. But good, sweet God... Get us to games that matter. Because I can't do I can't do this preseason talk anymore. I cannot do the end of a 24-game preseason winning streak, and it's one of the top stories on ESPN.com. The Baltimore Ravens last night lost for the first time in the preseason since 2015. 24 straight preseason victories now gone by the wayside thanks to a game-winning field goal from Joey Sly of the Washington Commanders. And Washington beat Baltimore 29-28 in a win that ended the streak that was so meaningful that the Commanders celebrated, celebrated on the field last night. I'm I I can't do this anymore. I, I can't do the the constant injury watch. I can't do the uh incessant breakdown of the number six wide receiver. I, I can't I can't do a twenty-four game preseason winning streak. I was thinking about it, Stone. The the twenty-four game preseason winning streak is the most meaningless sports streak I think I have ever encountered. Like, I was thinking about it, and I can't think of another streak that was more meaningless than this one. That meant so little. And it reminded me of the time in college when I took great pride and made sure everybody knew that I drank a beer for 257 straight days. That actually happened my senior year of college. 257. I respect that. Were the days where you just downed one and that was it? Yes. There were there were days where I'd be like, oh, God, it's 11 o'clock and I still haven't drank a beer. And so I did just to keep the streak alive. Some call that unhealthy. I just call that dedication. Did you mix and match your beers or did you stick with no, one No, I would salt? mix and match as long as it was a beer. As long as it had hops, then it counted. Damn right, baby. Um, but that my, my 257 days in a row drinking beer my senior year of college at Valparaiso University in Northwest Indiana, that's right, religious school, Lutheran, and this guy still drinking beers, 257 straight, okay? Respect me. Um, it's, it's as meaningful as winning 24 straight preseason games. But then I hear John Harbaugh, Ravens head coach, 
And I figured he would just sort of shrug it off in the post game. Hey, you know what? We, uh, we went on and we won a bunch of preseason games, but now we prepare for the games that matter. But John Harbaugh didn't go that route. John Harbaugh, instead, he, he started to opine wistfully on what the streak meant to him and uh, what the Ravens accomplished over the last eight years. And it was one of the most cringe, eye-roll things I've seen in this entire preseason. John Harbaugh poetically waxing on his team's 24-game preseason winning streak. I mean, I, you know, I just think it's something that uh, is just it's one of these things you look at and you're just, you go, wow, how did that happen? You know, how did something like that take place? It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. It's, you know, what are the odds? You know, and, and to, say, to say there's no one reason it happens, but it says a lot about a lot of people, a lot of people's effort, uh, a, lot, a lot of good practice, a lot of good meeting time, a lot of young players working hard to be as good as they can be, a lot of coaches developing those players, scouts finding those players, all those things kind of come into play. But in the end, it's about it's about a bunch. It's about football and the, and, the, and the men and women now who play who play the game. And it shows you what this what makes this game so great, why it does matter so much because it takes those kind of efforts. That that's what you have to do. It's it's, it's a courageous game. It's a it's a game for courageous people. God. And it's a game for people that are willing to go out there and throw themselves around in really tough, awkward situations. Physicality, you know, it takes it takes that kind of grit to play this game and to fight like that. And that's. I think most people that love football love it for that reason right there. They respect what it takes to play the game. So that's what I feel. That's how I feel about our players. Mm-hmm. I feel about every player in the National Football League, but mm-hmm. I especially feel that way about the Ravens. You know what I respect? Having your entire roster healthy for week one and playing games that matter. The 24-game preseason winning streak is the most useless streak I have ever seen in sports. Like, period. A period. I can't think of another one that makes me feel less than this one. It, it, it does not matter. And John Harbaugh, like, taking ownership of it? Come on, dude. You're better than that. You've won a Super Bowl, man. Stop. Yeah, it gets me, right, when he talks uh, about courage, <laughs> right, and grit. And I, understandably, I think that's something that goes, I don't want to say underrated, but it's almost not talked about enough. But how meatball-y these football coaches are. I think sometimes you forget it. Like, this is just as much the regular season to them. At some point, that life-or-death coaching mode, I suppose, in the preseason kicks in. Even if it's purely for evaluation, there is... They're they're part of their, their, uh, their... their cranium, their cerebellum, that says to them, hey, let's go win this thing. It truly does. It does, and I think if they feel as if they're passing that message along to their team that they're doing their job, I think you underestimate how meatball-y these guys can get because clearly, right, this is radio, so we're playing the audio for people, but if you were to be watching that video, he is waxing poetically. Like, that's what he's doing, and that, a good PR move. When he mentioned, yeah, women in the game too, he made sure to pause and look at all oh, the media yeah. members yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. But, I, Ken, I think these people really think preseason is um, everything. And as, as it stands right now, it's the only football we got, right? You're still trying to mix and match and find the roster. So I, I suppose I'm playing devil's advocate, but I don't know what else there is to do when Harbaugh's up there literally 
on the verge of tears talking about how proud he is of his team. I mean, it sounded like his voice was cracking. I, I, I could not. I had a, a visceral reaction to that. I could not stop myself. I caught myself with my eyes rolling into the back of my head. I had, I'm sitting by myself in my, my kitchen this morning, just making some eggs. Uh, and I put some, um, I put some hot sauce on the eggs every morning because that's the go-to move. Of course. Um, while I make my cafe con leche and I, I, I'm listening to this and I am just eye rolling. I, I did not realize that they took that streak so seriously. It's so silly. But even sillier and even more eye-roll-inducing is Troy Aikman, who on ESPN last night, and this is a quote, this is the greatest preseason game I've ever been a part of, end quote. This from Kyle Goon of the Baltimore Banner, quote, the streak surely meant something. If only that the Baltimore Ravens fight like hell to win every time they're on the field. That's one thing you can take from the preseason even if you can't take the wins themselves. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're imagining as if this is week one. We're treating it like week one, right? Everybody's just trying to get in the rhythm and flow of things. Here is why we have this reaction from John Harbaugh, from Troy Aikman, from the Baltimore Banners, Kyle Goon. It's because we're bored to tears. We don't want any more preseason. It sucks. It's inherently terrible. What's good about college football is it doesn't tease you with fake games, televised games, charging uh, good money to go out and see games between third stringers. It doesn't tease you like that. It doesn't try and lure you in. It doesn't try to football groom you. Instead, when the season starts, the season starts. With the NFL, we run into absolute nonsense like this where we're going to try... And prop up a 24-game preseason winning streak. Oh, they were on the field, and the lights were on, and we were in pads, and the officials were there. So, damn it, in some football universe, it matters. No, it doesn't. It just doesn't. So eye-roll-inducing. So ridiculous. Last night, the Ravens declaring rest in peace to their 24-game winning streak and, and conveying how proud they are of their accomplishment that nobody really cared about until it was on the front page of ESPN.com today. That is so eye roll. So eye roll. I ask you, like the Ravens giving a, a tearful farewell to their 24-game preseason winning streak, games that don't mean anything, what in sports have you given a huge eye roll to recently? What in sports have you given a huge eye roll to recently? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Social media at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. And on social media at KLV1063. What in sports have you given a huge eye roll to recently? This is the biggest one I've had in a while, but I've got a series of eye rolls lined up, I think. But this is one of the biggest ones. Can I throw out some stats, facts, tidbits, nuggets to try to at least reel you in? Try, try to make For this you, Ravens winning streak? For the Ravens winning streak. Sure, you can try. I guess it's kind of a one last gasp thing. One, it means a lot to the gambling community, right? We don't have to get into that one. But in, in all seriousness, I think 24 games, right? They were favored in half of them. So 12 of them. They're underdogs, mind you. It's preseason. And then, and then, too, I think one of the things people have been wondering are do 
the Baltimore Ravens starters play more time than all of the other teams in the NFL. Like this has to be it, right? They don't. They're pretty on average with how much time their starters and that two deep gets on the field come preseason. So in a sense, they are on a level playing field with these teams. They're just winning these games. So uh, that's all I got for you. Uh, that didn't help sway me. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you think uh, Do you think the Chiefs look on in admiration at the preseason success of the Baltimore Ravens? Do you think Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, they sit back, they say, my God, that John Harbaugh, how does he do it? Do you think they sit back uh, and, and uh, they say to themselves, man, I wish I was them? They don't. But what they do do, I would imagine, is that Chiefs scouting staff, right, the ones responsible of traveling the country, traveling all countries, right, and finding the next best football players, like they admire the Baltimore Ravens scouting department, right? Like they're the ones putting on the clinics, I would assume. Like they are the standard. So I think it's not Andy Reid, but it's Brad in his cubicle on floor three of the Chiefs facility who kind of admires what the Baltimore Ravens do because they probably have Numbers point to it. Some of the best depth in the league. And I think that's kind of how this this goes on the field. Again, I find myself playing devil's advocate here, but there's only one way to go about it. Mm. Yeah, I'm not buying that. You, you don't think that this scouting department is the cream of the crop? I'm sure they're fine. But I think the Chiefs do a really good job of uh, evaluating talent as well. Okay, I'm talking about some of those third, fourth, some of the practice squad guys that, that play in the preseason. I honestly, I would be offended if I were a Ravens fan that we were, we were celebrating the preseason dominance of the Ravens. Like I, I would be bothered because in a world, especially in football, of participation trophies, in a world of moral victories... You're going to sit there and you, I'm sure there's a Venn diagram between Ravens fans who appreciate the hard work in the preseason and God, I hate participation trophies. And that Venn diagram, I'm sure there's a crossover. Hey, Ravens fan who takes great pride in the 24-game preseason winning streak that John Harbaugh poetically waxed upon last night. This is the biggest participation trophy in sports. Not the little eight-year-old that you think is, is becoming soft later in life because, God forbid, you get a little plastic trinket for hitting a ball off a tee, okay? That's not the problem. The problem is when your NFL head coach steps up to the podium and he praises himself and his coaching staff and his organization for winning 24 straight preseason games. So if you want to talk participation trophies, there's your participation trophy. Foolish. What in sports have you given a huge eye roll to recently? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And on social media, at KLV1063. Then last night, I'm scrolling through X, formerly known as Twitter. And I see a tweet from Alabama football. And who's speaking to the team last night in Tuscaloosa? That's right. Suddenly freed from her shackles of having her voice muted, Sage Steele. Sage Steele, who made a big production about her First Amendment rights. They were being thwarted. She was being silenced at ESPN. No, no, Sage, that wasn't it. Um, you, you, you made a, a comment about how black Barack Obama was or wasn't. That got you suspended. Your First Amendment rights were not impeded. You got punished for saying something reckless. But I digress. Sage Steele, who also late last week admitted 
that she got elbowed and knocked into a trash can by a then 70-something-year-old Barbara Walters while at a taping of ABC's The View several years ago. She was invited by Nick Saban to go to Tuscaloosa and talk to the University of Alabama football team. Now, forget all of the issues with ESPN aside, Stone. Um, if I were a college football player, okay, and I'm a, a four-star from Georgia or from here in South Florida, and it's been a long, hard training camp under Coach Saban, greatest college coach of all time, and we're preparing for a rigorous SEC season, all right? And it's a Monday night. The last person that I want to sit for an hour and listen preach to me is someone who just 72 hours prior admitted to getting beat up by a 73-year-old woman. That's just me and my sensibilities. But if there was someone, and Sage Steele is maybe early 40s, so this happened in her mid-30s or her early 30s, that Barbara Walters allegedly elbowed her into a trash can. Again, yes, that Barbara Walters, who's now dead, was so old then that she has now passed. I am sitting here, body broken, getting ready to bring pride to the University of Alabama. And on a Monday night, Nick Saban calls me in to sit down and listen to a woman who just three or four days prior admitted that Barbara Walters kicked her ass on a TV set. That's a hard no for me. So are you aware of the message that she was uh, portraying to this team? What is your why? Yeah, this happens. My why is to not get my ass kicked by a septuagenarian. That's my why. This, this, this happens all the time in college football. I think probably, you know, you have fall camp and, and you have your spring and you have your summer workouts and then that trickles over to OTAs. I would say on average, right, a team of that caliber has two to three guest speakers that Go come in and try Go get Inky. That's his name, right? Yeah, that's Inky. Yeah. Inky, Inky, Inky Johnson. Inky Johnson. Go get Inky Johnson. He didn't get his ass kicked by a 70-year-old woman. They already had an Inky Johnson a month ago. Is what okay. I'm you, to can't, say. you can't double up on Inky? No, you can't double uh, up on Inky. So, uh, so, yeah, this is normal for these guys, so they know what to expect. I think the biggest thing for me is I don't think any of them know who Sage Steele is. I think that's a great point. They probably don't. For the ones who were addicted to Sports Center, like myself, which I'd imagine there are some in that room, sure. like you well, maybe know the not face. the majority. Maybe not the majority. So it's a tough spot to put Sage in. But uh, I would also venture out to say Sage reached out to Nick and that Alabama football team more hey. so than Nick reached out to her. So there's that as sure. well. And uh, is there a paycheck involved in this, Nick? Please get back to me. Thank you. Yeah, you know Alabama's probably paying. Speakers no, to I, come in, right? I, I know Almost for 100% fact. It yeah. is unquestionable. Uh, what in sports have you given a huge eye roll to recently? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Social media at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. Now, I'm curious about you, Stone, because you are significantly more optimistic, sunshiny. Look at the bright side of things uh, than I am. Uh, I tend to live in a more cynical space, but I do know you get annoyed by things. You get annoyed by me. You get annoyed at some of the stances I have. I've seen you eye roll. I've physically seen it take place. What in sports recently has, other than me, other than me, well, I guess it could be me, but what has caused you to to eye roll most where you don't even know you're doing it. It's just a, a an automatic reaction your body has where your eyes go into the back of your head and you just go 
Ugh, are you kidding me? Yeah, I really had to hone in on this one, and it really came down to NFL fans, right? Each fan base has their own cork, right? Their own little, I guess, category of, of annoying fans and what they do. And for me, I landed on the Dolphins with this one. This one's been really getting me the entire offseason. Okay. But Dolphins fans thinking they can get any free agent on the market. Just any free agent on the market. And I don't know if I'm tainted or I'm biased because I have more Dolphins fans and media on my timeline. But, God, it's every single day that you have Jimbo from blah, blah, blah. You have this media person. You have this media person. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, for instance, right? As soon as the news dropped that they're allowing him to... The Colts are allowing him to search out a trade. To search and seek out trades. The immediate response, and this was, I think on some NFL platforms, on NFL social media accounts. I didn't see any other fans of any fan bases except the Dolphins fans thinking that, oh, God, here we go. We're going to get Jonathan Taylor. It was the same thing with Dalvin Cook. It was the same thing with this guy. It's every free agent that's on the market. I think Dolphins fans collectively think they know what Greer needs to do. They know what, what the ownership needs to do and how Mike McDaniel could use this guy. It's like... I guess a part of the offseason in a sense, but I, I feel like I see Dolphins more so than any other fan base. Just, I don't want to say arrogantly, but like just well, thinking I, they can snag whoever they want, put them on the team, and we're going to a Super Bowl. It, it's, it's, it's a little niche, but it, it, it's definitely been triggering me. Well, I think where that comes from, and you're right, I, I do think that there is uh, always this, this sense of, oh, the Dolphins will be the front runners. But it's, I think that, the Dolphins, in that sense, have become the Heat. Anytime, and any time that there's a big star that that is available in the NBA, who do we hear first? Pat Riley, Heat. Pat Riley, Heat. We even do. even if it doesn't seem like there's any conceivable way that they can construct a way to acquire said player, I mean, we're going through it right now with Dame. Um, there are other teams that could probably offer up more than the Heat can, um, but the Heat are willing to make it happen. But it's the Heat are always in the mix because they've earned that reputation of being shrewd, being ruthless. I suppose if you're Chris Greer and you're the Dolphins, you have been shrewd in your own way. You have made acquisitions here and there to help the football team that people didn't see coming. I mean, look at Tyreek Hill. Um he was he requested a trade, and literally an hour and a half later, he's a Dolphin. Uh, right, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, he was made available. The Dolphins went, scooped him up. So Chris Greer has earned the right to be called aggressive, and I think that's why Chris Greer and the Dolphins tend to be on the tip of everybody's tongue when somebody becomes open. Here's to, and I'm not defending Dolphins fans, because I do think it's annoying when a fan base is always like, oh, go get him, go get him, yeah, that's us. I wonder having no idea how it works. The Dolphins are desirable because of Mike McDaniel. The Dolphins are desirable because of no uh, uh, state income tax and all that stuff. But don't worry, they're banging on the property tax. Um, they're desirable from that standpoint. They're a, uh, right now appear to be in a championship window. But you've got to look at the position. Because who are the two players that we went through most with Dolphin speculation in training camp? It was Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, and now Jonathan Taylor. And now Jonathan Taylor. And what do they both play? Running back. That's right. There is this consensus that the Dolphins are lacking at the running back position, which is why all of this attention is paid with Dalvin Cook and also a Miami guy, and then Jonathan Taylor. 
because, oh, it's a running back that's available. The Dolphins are going to go pursue because they're relying on Raheem Mostert. I will stand by it. I don't think the Dolphins need to go get a big name. I don't. I don't. I've said it before. I said it with Dalvin Cook, right? Yeah. Like, if they don't get Dalvin Cook, I'm fine with it, especially uh, paying them the money they paid. Uh, the Jets paid them over $7 million. I, I think the Dolphins are fine with that running game. Jonathan Taylor, should they kick the tires? Absolutely. Are they going to get him? I don't know. I, so I see where you're coming from. It's annoying that Dolphins fans just automatically go to the, oh, let's go get him. I mean, Heat fans go to that place too, but it's much more warranted for Heat fans to go to that Heat place. Plans, Heat fans go to that place on day one of the offseason. Like, it's, it's almost a scheduled thing that they do. But again, it's because the team has earned that reputation of making the impossible happen. If you put together the big three the way the Heat did, you made the impossible happen. And they're a team that people want to play for because the Heat play for championships. With the Dolphins, I think this offseason, this training camp especially, it's been more a case of position of need as opposed to, uh, oh, the Dolphins should be the front runners because they're the Dolphins. It, I, some people are cocky like that. Some Dolphins fans are cocky like that. But I think it's more of a because it's the running backs that have been the sought-after entity. And I think there lies the problem, right? We're talking about positions of need. The fans don't actually know if it's a position of need. They think it's a position of need. Well, that's because so, that's what they're being told. And I, I think fans have to realize at what stage of the season or what stage of the lead-up to the season we're at. Like yeah. These coaches know they're too deep. They know who's jogging out there on week one. They know how many carries they're giving this guy, that guy, and this guy, and how many attempts at this guy. They know these things already. So when you're talking about positions of need— I do not think a running back is on Mike McDaniel's mind at all. It's just not. You don't uh, know that. So to right. speculate and tell him to go get him, it's like Mike McDaniel is not hearing any of this. I, I don't understand what Jonathan Taylor is giving the Dolphins that Raheem Mostert can't. Uh, and I also don't understand what okay, Jonathan Taylor... Whoa. Well, I, whoa. It, how, uh, Jonathan Taylor is a very good running back. But are you telling me he's the difference between uh, 10 wins and, and 7 wins? Do you think he's um, worth three wins this season? If Austin Jackson is flat on his ass every single play at right tackle and people are getting into the backfield. My bigger point with all of this is that I love Jonathan Taylor and him in a Dolphins uniform would be hot. I'm fine with Raheem Mostert. What I'm not fine with is Austin Jackson getting his ass beat every single play and that offensive line being porous and them not only prote- not protecting Tua but not giving any holes to the running game as well why go get Jonathan Taylor if he can't do anything because there's guys in the backfield all the time that's my point the bigger concern Dolphins fans should be finding a replacement for Austin Jackson who's been given 17 million chances and he still if you look at the Texans game that wasn't good that wasn't good and it continues to not be good and now you don't know about Taron Armstead there is your point of contention there is your priority not who's carrying the ball out of the backfield so at the very least I'll answer the question you originally posed all right I'm sorry I is John Jonathan Taylor, the difference between 10 wins and 7 wins. My answer simply is yes. I think what a defense has to do, I think what we learned about Jonathan Taylor last year, I think what a defense has to do with the pieces that the Dolphins already have, right? If you are looking at it, from let's just, let's just look at it from a secondary standpoint. You have to play differently because Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and the rest of the squad is on the field. You just, you do. You do. It's just how they move. So you're already blanketed, right? It's already something that you kind of have to quirk a little more than other offenses you see in the league. We know that, right? The track team. But then you add Jonathan Taylor, it adds an entirely different phase to this offense that I think is just going to give people nightmares. So I do think 
three wins is warranted for Jonathan Taylor. And I think the funniest thing about all of this, this clip went viral. I don't know what TV show. I forgot where it was streaming. It might have been the Colts Hard Knocks, but the running backs coach. And this clip went viral. You definitely remember it, where it's the running backs coach, and I think it's the quarterbacks coach or the offensive coordinator for the Colts. And they're watching Jonathan Taylor's practice tape just themselves. And the one running back coach says, man, this kid has a chance to be the best running back the league's ever seen. I, I think he's the best running back that the league has ever seen. It's definitely right there in front of him. And, and that's how we saw Jonathan Taylor. So to go from that to you saying he's not the difference between three wins, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. He's a dog. In Mike McDaniel's offense, I have a hard time believing that a running back, no matter who it is, it could be Jesus Christ himself, is going to <laughs> is is going to be the difference between seven and ten wins. By the way, heard Christ has very, very, very good balance. Outstanding base. So much so that he can uh, walk on water. Mm -hmm. Very light feet. I've heard those things as well. Very light feet. Uh, What in sports have you given a huge eye roll to recently? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And on social media, at KLV1063, where we've also asked the question that Stone posed or Stone supported. Is Jonathan Taylor the difference between 7 or 10 wins for the Dolphins? Is Jonathan Taylor the difference between 7 or 10 wins for the Dolphins? Go ahead and answer. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And on social media, at KLV1063. What in sports have you given a huge eye roll to recently? Baptist Health Orthopedic Care. Man, I love talking about him. His joint pain affecting your quality of life. At Baptist Health Orthopedic Care, their team's experienced in traditional joint replacement surgery, as well as new, less invasive treatments with the goal of returning you to what you love as quickly as possible. Learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash orthocare today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians, leading-edge treatments, and technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle Join replacement spine and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealth.net slash orthocare. For more information today, Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash orthocare. What in sports have you given a huge eye roll to recently? Is Jonathan Taylor a running back the difference between 7 to 10 wins for the Dolphins? And have you ever gotten your ass kicked by a 70-year-old? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. He's Stone LeBanowitz, Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Well, your guy got the call. The call to the bullpen, Stone. This guy right here, I got the call to take my wife's extra ticket to Canes, Miami of Ohio next Friday night. So uh, tailgate McSleepy will, uh, will be in attendance trying to break my streak of three straight Canes games falling asleep in the stands. Are you nervous at all? That, by the way, equally as impressive, that streak, as the Ravens' 24-game preseason winning streak. My my three-game, my three-Canes game fall asleep in the stands streak. I think both require the same amount of effort. <laughs> Dedication to the craft. Yeah, or both the difficulty level is the same. But going hard. Yeah, I mean, going hard. Grinding. Falling yeah. asleep three out of the last three games you've been to is probably harder to do than not. Probably. 
Probably. Um, now, this is this is going to be the test because I have FAU's opener the next day, like where I'm literally calling the game is the voice of FAU. Oh, God. so your man can't be hungover. Your man can't be feeling the ill effects. None of that stuff. So this is going to be uh, a a test in um, discipline who, next Friday. Who do the Owls have week one? Monmouth. Mm, okay. I mean, sure. Could I sleepwalk through that? Probably. But I don't want to do that to FAU. I'm a professional. I'm a professional damn broadcaster trying to give the fans what they want uh, an elite level call of the game. So I'm not going to do that. Which you always do. I have another question for you. I don't want to get you caught up, but uh, does FAU win by more points than the Miami Hurricanes do week one? I think, uh, I think that line I think that line's going to be pretty similar. I think it's very, very likely that that's the case. I think so. I mean, now that Casey Thompson's FAU starting quarterback, I think the uh, the Owls are, are beating Clemson now. How about a little uh, Clemson-Illinois back-to-back for FAU? Casey Thompson down in Dabo and Brett back-to-back weeks. How do you feel about that? Uh, it definitely gets me going. Let's go. Uh, I think that it's there. I think they are. Tom uh, Herman, Casey Thompson back together. Hiding in the blind spot. Woo! Yeah, I love that. Feels good. So, yeah, I'll be there next Friday. I'll be there next Friday uh, for, uh, for the Canes in Miami of Ohio. Come say hi and shake me awake in the stands. Uh, Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. What in sports have you given a huge eye roll to recently? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. What in sports have you given a huge eye roll to recently? And uh, I'm, I'm getting a lot of pushback as if I was the one who uh, who signed off on this, who endorsed this. Uh, is Jonathan Taylor the difference between seven or ten wins for the Dolphins? Now, I just threw that out as a hypothetical because Stone was making it seem like Jonathan Taylor would make a significant potential playoff difference for the Dolphins where I think that they're fine with Raheem Mostert and company. And I think they're fine uh, with what they have already in that room. The issue, the priority should be what the hell do you do with the tackles? If Taron Armstead is hurt, misses games, and Austin Jackson keeps being Austin Jackson, that should be the priority. That should be the concern of Dolphins fans, not, ah, go out and get Jonathan Taylor, as they're apt to do. Uh, Kev messages, you have the Dolphins as a seven-win team? No, I don't have the Dolphins as a seven-win team. What I'll say, though, is if Taron Armstead, something is wrong and he's missing a significant amount of games and Austin Jackson's Austin Jacksoning, it may very well be a seven-win team in that division. I mean, is that out of the realm of possibility? I don't want to. I don't want to be a harbinger of bad thoughts, of of uh, ill intent. But like, the, the offensive line is concerning when you have a quarterback who we're sitting here praising how he's fallen in two series in the preseason. That's not good. Considering that the AFC East is the 2023 version of the AFC West which we thought last year was going to be just wins upon wins upon wins. So are I you think, saying that we might be overrating the AFC East? Or are you saying they're going to live up to what we thought the AFC West was going to No, be? I'm saying you're allowed to call them a seven-win team, right? Because we going, think this is going to be the hardest division in football. 100%. And then uh, another thing that I do have for you, it's been a burning question for me lately. Maybe it's a Caucasian thing that you do, but do you like going Terran instead of Tehran when it comes to uh, the Dolphins' left tackle? Is it a Caucasian thing? Am I, I'm I wrong? Asked, I'm I haven't heard Taryn 
But I, is that what I've been calling him? Oh, for months, oh. for months. Man, I, I just think you know, chalk it up to you know being a Caucasian. Like, but it, it, no, that's bad by me. I'm glad you're calling me out on this. We should go to YouTube. Okay, uh, just find someone on ESPN. I'm sure you can trust them. Talking about Armstead, right, we'll leave it right. at Armstead for now, and we'll see if I was uh, wrong or not. I know how to pronounce this name, John, and he's in West Palm, and he's on Ken Levick alive. What's up, John? Hey, uh, I think the Ravens should pick up Jonathan Taylor. Uh, just Lamar, Zay Flowers, OBJ, Jonathan Taylor would just be another add to the mix, in my opinion. I think that that's a good call. I think he could benefit the Ravens, especially as they start a new preseason streak, John. John, are you um are you in school right now? Uh, No, I'm homesick. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Are you okay? Yeah. Well, I appreciate you listening, and I hope that we can entertain you through the rest of the day and make you feel better. And so uh, get better soon, okay? Thank you for for chiming in. Uh, John, how old are you real quick? Twelve. Twelve. You nailed it, by the way. Shout out to to you, John. I'm sure you know more sports than all of your friends and everybody in school with you. Hell yeah. John, feel better, okay? All right. All right. That's John. That's John uh, homesick here on a Tuesday. Shout out, John. Uh, you know what's tough is uh, what he, the Palm Beach started school. I'm assuming he, he was Palm. He started school last Monday. That's tough to to have to go into the the sick bin uh, real early in the year like that. But I suppose if you're going to get sick, you're just starting to delve into the homework side of things. You're not missing a ton. Yeah, 100. percent Right? They're giving out all of their. I even forget what they're called at the the first week. Um, you, you haven't been in school in like 30 years. But no, it's been a long time. What is it called? The very first uh, syllabus. You the syllabus, syllabus, right. Week. It's the syllabus right. uh, week that you just got through. Uh, what in sports have you given a huge eye roll to recently? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Social media is open at KLV1063. Uh, more people mad at me, all because of you. You have gotten me in trouble, and you have ruined my reputation on social media, Stone. Roger. The Finns will not win or lose a game because they do or don't have JT, Jonathan Taylor. The Dolphins' running game is fine now. The Dolphins will win or lose because of Tua's health. Listen, Raj, you and I are on the same page. Yeah, you don't understand the question. Mr. Running Back over here, Stone Labanowitz, is the one who's saying it could be the difference between 7 and 10 games. I didn't say that. I presented a hypothetical, and Stone surprised me by, by actually... Uh, supporting the hypothetical I put out there. I did not see that coming. We didn't plan it, much like everything with the show. And so now I'm the one receiving the abuse on social media. I, I hate that you're catching flack for this. I, I don't want to say you worded the question wrong because I understood it. Well, what I should have done is said, Stone Labanowitz says. No, no, no. You shouldn't have done that. But it's a great question. Is Jonathan Taylor worth three wins? Is he worth but three is, losses. Any, is, is he the difference? Is any player other than a quarterback worth three wins? I, I think they are. I think it's very situational. I think it's also a very good question because I think Jonathan Taylor could be the sole reason that the Dolphins notch three more wins in their season than they're going to. I think it's a valid one to ask. Uh, where else are we going? We got Bob in West Palm Beach. Bob's in West Palm. What's going on, Bob? Bob. Tom here. Who? No, he said Tom, I'm here. Tom. Tom. Tom, sorry, I'm yes, sorry. Uh, uh, that was Stone, who's already Don't gotten worry. me in trouble on social media, and now he's just purposely feeding me wrong three-letter names. How you doing, Tom? What you got for us, Bob? <laughs> no, so what? I'm, what, what my beef is, um, what roll, makes me roll my eyes is um, the ESPN lineup, man, from 6 to 10, the different people that are shuffling in, in and out. It's just ridiculous. But shout-out to Evan Cohen for yeah. getting that, that spot. Can't wait to hear him, the local. 
There you go. So, so this is good. And, and we've been equally as irritated. And imagine our surprise, and appreciate the call, Tom Bob, um, when, when all of a sudden we hear that, that Evan Cohen, who so rudely interrupted this show yesterday, by the way. Yeah, I almost uh, had to take it out of the podcast. It was so rude. My God. Um, but, but, but ESPN, Bristol, named him one of the new morning hosts, along with Chris Canty and Michelle Smallman. Now, this is no disrespect to our good friend Jay Will, okay? And we're hoping to have Jay Will on. And if Jay Will ever wants a, a, uh, a safe place to open up a mic and talk about sports, we'll provide that because we like Jay Will. He gets us. We can give him crap. He gives crap back. Uh, and he's fun. We like Jay Will. We are pro Jay Will here on Ken Levick Alive. We're so pro Jay Will. What I will say. Because, yes, it's been a carousel of names and voices, and it's been frustrating from a national perspective. And we believe in the ESPN brand here at ESPN 106.3. Certainly, I believe in local sports talk radio, and Stone and I try and give you our best effort at that every single day for two hours. Okay, could be three, but we'll take two for now. Um, the, the national perspective, what I'll say, and where I'll give ESPN radio credit, is that they are going with the novel concept of bringing in an experienced professional radio host to host the coveted morning spot across all of its affiliates coast to coast. That, in and of itself, is a win. Even if it wasn't Evan, that's a win. Someone who actually, oh, I don't know, knows how to lead a radio show. Because ESPN hasn't done that since Mike Greenberg left. Trey Wingo, he didn't know how to lead a radio show. Zubin Mahenti didn't know how to lead a radio show. Max Kellerman didn't know how to lead a radio show. This is no disrespect to these people. I'm just talking about it from a radio perspective. Those people did not do radio. They did not know radio. They did not know the X's and O's of driving a radio show. Okay? Evan makes it that much sweeter because it's a, it's a, a an experienced national Level radio host and Evan Cohn, who's been doing national radio for damn near a decade at this point with Sirius XM on Mad Dog Radio. And now he's a gasp radio host who knows how to drive a show and has been doing so successfully at a national level for a decade. And ESPN said, oh, you know what? Maybe we should get a radio host. And they did. And that is a win in and of itself, which is why not just because it's Evan, but especially because it's Evan, but not just because it's Evan, you should be wildly excited for September 5th, 6 a.m. when it's Evan and Canty and Smallman and they're getting things rolling on that morning show because it's actual people who know and do radio. That's beautiful, beautifully said, and I, I think yeah, it's we can't say shame on, on on management for trying to follow the same business model that television does, right? By you, they're the all ex- great personalities, but it just never fit. It didn't click, at least to me. On radio, and I'll tell Jay Will that, and I think Jay Will might agree with him. Yeah, I definitely think he might agree. I think it's like I said, easier to put personalities and former players on TV, right, where they can showcase why they're on TV. Right. It's not as easy to do on radio. I think you more so fall into exposing yourself. For not being built for it, right? If you're not an actual experienced radio host. So I think it's beautifully said by you. So September 5th, Evan Cohen, Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman, the new morning host here on ESPN 106.3. Evan Cohen making his triumphant return to Palm Beach County in the Treasure Coast. And I promise you, Tom Bob wasn't a plant, but it did give me an opportunity to 
tell you something I wanted to tell you later. So good. That opens up a lot more room for us here until 2 o'clock. You know what also is going to save you uh, a whole lot of time? And honestly, it's going to save you money once you see them because you're not buying nasal sprays anymore, because you're not buying humidifiers anymore, because you're not having to to uh, get yourself uh, all sorts of, of saline solution, things of those things that dry you out when you snore. Dr. Neil Goldhaber, goldhabersinus.com. I mean, this time of year, it's not just hot and uncomfortable and it's hard to breathe as it is. This is also... Allergy season, big time. There's stuff floating in the air. You're inhaling stuff. You're getting irritated. Noses running. Congestion. Then that stuff goes away, and you're still left congested. Your throat still hurts. Your ears are still an issue. That's when you have a bigger problem, and that's when you go see the man who can give you relief. He's been doing it for decades. He's the ENT extraordinaire, Dr. Neil Goldhaber, who was in here yesterday in the flesh. Goldhabersinus.com. Goldhabersinus.com. It's Dr. Neil Goldhaber. Go ahead and get your consultation with Dr. Goldhaber, goldhabersinus.com in Boynton Beach. Easy to get to, easy to get a hold of. And this man, he has a penchant for fixing things. He's Dr. Neil Goldhaber, goldhabersinus.com, goldhabersinus.com. He's our guy. He's our dude. He's the man. He's Dr. Neil Goldhaber. What in sports have you given a huge eye roll to recently? 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776, and on social media at KLV1063. Also, have you ever been beaten up by a 70-year-old? And do you agree with Stone that Jonathan Taylor could be the difference between 7 and 10 wins for the Dolphins? Stone believes that, and now I'm in trouble because of him on social media. He's Stone LeBanowitz, Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. No, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you are not. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Jay, well, we can do that. We can do that. I can't pay you what you got paid to debate Stephen A. like that on ESPN. But I can do that. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. See? I'm already warmed up. Were you wanting me to say no? No, you can't? no, no, no. I didn't need anything. Okay. I didn't need that. It's all good. Uh, by the way, the NBA, this is breaking news presented by St. Lucie Battery and Tire. The NBA has fined James Harden $100,000 for his comments over in China about his situation with the 76ers and all of the fallout that came from that. Uh, the $100,000 fine, and again, that is a massive fine levied to James Harden. You remember he called Daryl Morey a liar, said he would never play for him again. The NBA fining him that amount of money because he made it seem like he would not fulfill his contractual obligations to a team that he signed a deal with. So $100,000 fine. So if you're scoring at home, that means that Damon Lillard got a strongly worded memo James Harden got the $100,000 fine. I do feel like that makes me feel a little bit better. I was going to ask. About how Damian Lillard got treated. Because again, uh, his agent allegedly said, hey, he won't be happy. He won't be happy. Don't even bother. He won't be happy. That's different than saying, oh, he absolutely will not play. Will not play. But, hey, you might as well not 
not trade for him because he's going to be a disgruntled superstar. James Harden flat out said, I will not play for a team that Daryl Morey's the GM of ever again. He's a liar. So I do feel a little bit better. I do think, though, that Heat fans probably bully the NBA into this. I think you could make that argument. Because of the because of the ridiculousness of that memo, then it well, what about James Harden? Well, look at him. Look at and then finally James Harden stepped into it enough where the NBA felt like, oh my God, we're gonna be overrun if we don't levy a fine against this dude. So hundred thousand dollars to James Harden. Yeah, shout out to the Heat fans. Hundred thousand dollars James Harden, that means no Magic City this weekend. Well, there's probably still gonna be Magic City just on a budget. Okay. Yeah, Magic City on a budget. Uh, do we have time to listen to uh, to Ryan Clark of ESPN? Yeah. All right, let's listen to Ryan Clark of ESPN. This is from NFL Live. This was today or yesterday? It was today. Today. Ryan Clark, very bizarre criticism of Tua. It had nothing to do with the interception that he threw against the Texans on Saturday, and that comes up. But listen to this from Ryan Clark. I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it, and it almost seems like it was being edgy or trying to be edgy when it was just dumb. Here's um, here's ESPN's Ryan Clark on Tua Tungavailoa. Hey, five for seven, 61 yards, and an interception. So a rocky start to the game for Tua right there. Our team got them tats. Yeah, he did. He did. Full sleeve. Y'all, sleeve. y'all think I'm because uh, I've been hurt. I ain't tough. I'm going to tell you, I'm tell you what get he wasn't doing. He wasn't in the gym. <laughs> I bet you that. Come on, man. He, he wasn't have, with me. He, he might have spent a lot of time in the tattoo parlor. He was not at the dinner table eating what the nutritionist had advised. Oh, my mm. God. He looks happy. So okay. He is thick. He's thick. Yeah, thick. He's built like a girl work at Onyx in Atlanta right now on the bottom. <laughs> Come on, now. Hey. Uh, get to the show. I'm sorry. I'd love to ask you. I don't. I don't get that. Uh, he's he's making fun of Tua's weight. Tua bulked up big time in the offseason. I promise you that was not from not eating the right things. Tua's ripped up. Tua had to put on weight because of the hits he was taking. Tua, I mean, in they, it's not like this wasn't documented in the offseason what Tua was doing. Lifting weights, getting himself in there. He sure as hell was with the nutritionist. That's what bulked him up. I, I don't... It, it's one thing... It, what, what Ryan Clark's trying to do there, it seems like, is be like Charles Barkley, right? Like Charles Barkley making fun of Zion Williamson's weight. Except there, the joke works because Zion Williamson absolutely has a ballooning weight issue back and forth. You can argue whether or not it's appropriate, but Zion Williamson clearly... And there's some pictures have come out. He looks good this offseason. But Zion Williamson clearly has had an issue keeping weight. He's clearly had an issue keeping himself in shape. Tua, he's never given you any indication that he would ever get lazy in an offseason. That he would ever not do the work to keep himself in tip-top shape. This is just being edgy for the sake of being edgy for a viral moment, for a trying to be like Charles Barkley, to try and get out there on X, to try and be uh, an Instagram reel. That's what Ryan Clark is doing there. And Ryan Clark, quite honestly, in my experience with him, is way better than that. He's way better than that. And I don't think this is worth getting mad over, but it's also such a waste of everybody's time to try and rip off a Charles Barkley thing when you're not Charles Barkley 
And you're picking on the wrong person. There are plenty of other NFL players you can make jokes about weight and not doing the work. Tua, the joke, the comments don't work because it's Tua. Yeah, I think... First and foremost, I do love the Charles Barkley analogy. I think that's exactly that's what he was trying going for. to be. And two, are we sure he was talking about his weight, or was he talking about what he saw in the preseason game against the Texans? Right? He's like talking that, about the weight. He's like, talking about he wasn't sitting at the table with the nutritionist. He's talking about the weight. I mean, I get it, but I mean, I, I think also lost in there when when they talked about his performance and the interception thrown. Right? He's talking about he hasn't been in the gym. Right? He hasn't seen him in the gym, and and maybe it's because he didn't see what he wanted in the preseason. So maybe he was talking about his play. Other He's than only the weight. played two series in the preseason. So if Ryan Clark, who's a very good analyst, and uh, I think is going to be awesome on uh, the Monday Night Football Countdown with SVP and Swagoo and all those people. Uh, that was announced yesterday. Like Ryan Clark, for me, when I think Ryan Clark, I think he'll break down the interception. Then he'll break down how Tua improved the very next series leading to 93-yard touchdown drive. That's Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark, I'm the one who picks it low-hanging fruit. That's me. Let me do that. I'm good at that. Ryan Clark... He's too smart for that. He's too good for that. I don't tune in to him to hear him try and rip off Charles Barkley. I tune in to him to hear him say, oh, what did Tua do wrong on this interception? And then what did he do? Complete 180, correct, on the 93-yard touchdown drive in the preseason game. Not to compare him to uh, an exotic dancer. Not to make jokes about him not uh, going to the nutritionist, being fat. That's not Ryan Clark. And here's proof that Ryan Clark was being something he's not. Because Tua's loudmouth trainer, Nick uh, Nick Hicks, called him out on social media. And this was Ryan Clark's response. Hey, as a person that's heard that joke about himself based on his glutes a ton of times, I was just having some fun. Tua's certainly thick in his glutes and lower extremities. Also, like a ton of quarterbacks, not particularly lean. I was having some fun because, hell, it's TV. Come on, dude. You can't just backtrack on it like that after you get called out on social media. See, that's why like, that, that wasn't Ryan Clark, and he's better than that. That was just dumb, stupid TV drivel. So we got to get to a break, but I, I do have something to bring to the forefront, right? I think we can put our tinfoil hats on. And we do love ourselves some Ryan Clark, right? We love him. We, I, we respect I love, him. This is why I decided to play that, though, and talk about it, because it was so uncharacteristic of him. You can – I listen – I, I have very little class sometimes. You can make fun of someone, and generally I'm going to... I'm not the one who like is immediately going to jump on you for getting on an athlete about their weight, okay? Like, you fat shame Janet who's walking down the street. That's a little bit different than world-class athlete, okay? Like, fine. I'm able to giggle along with it. But it's got to be the right person. Two is not the right person to be making low-hanging fruit weight jokes on. So my my yeah or I a agree. cheap chuckle. I, I think my original point was: Are we starting to see Ryan Clark sell his soul? And I say that recklessly, and I don't actually mean that. It is kind of reckless, I, and I hope not. And I, I, I'm I'm ninety percent of me is kidding. But you heard the George Pickens and Justin Jefferson take that went viral last week. Ryan Clark saying that George Pickens is more talented well, than Justin Jefferson. Well, that's just a hot take. One hundred percent. I think that's a viral hot take moment where you can clip that, put that mm-hmm. out there for the masses. And I, I find this to be something similar. So I, I was joking when I said that, but. Here comes hot take Ryan Clark, and it kind of is uh, making us eye roll. Yeah, this wasn't a hot take, though. This was like a... A funny a, take. A low-hanging insult. Yeah. Uh, it was an it's attempt... Just, to, it's just TV, man. It's just TV. Uh, hell, it's TV. That's Stone the Banner. It's Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.